Welcome to Drilling Deep. I am your host, John Kingston. And after skipping last week because of some scheduling conflicts, it's good to be back. And it's like a whole new oil market to talk about here. Remember that oil needs to be drilled. And since we discuss oil and diesel on this podcast, that is how it got its name. I also love talking about drivers. And today as our guest, we've got Max Farrell of Workhound. He's going to discuss the feedback that he has gotten from drivers, not just recently, but for all of 2021. He's going to be with us here in a few minutes. When I last did a podcast, the price of diesel on the CME Commodity Exchange, which is really the starting point of ultimately diesel prices, that price was a little over $2.59 a gallon. And today, as I record this about two weeks later, it's about $2.83 a gallon. That gain has not even shown up completely in the retail price of diesel, and it might not. If the market starts to soften or at least stabilize, you might not get every last penny at the pump from the commodity price increase. But that is small comfort, I realize, because the fact is that the DOE EIA benchmark weekly retail diesel average price is up 13.4 cents in just four weeks. And the data in FreightWave's sonar market dashboard shows the retail price is tacked on another four cents or so since last Monday when that price was when that DOE price first came out. So we are going higher. There are a couple of things going on in the market that are particularly worrisome from the perspective of diesel consumers. Remember that the price of diesel at the pump is subject to many factors, but ultimately it's a function of the price of crude plus the spread in the market between the price of diesel and crude. That's where things are getting a little bit crazy. There are commodity markets that trade in specific market regions such as the U.S. Gulf Coast or Northwest Europe or the Singapore market, and all of them are reporting spreads between crude and diesel that are high by any measure. On the CME Commodity Exchange, comparing the price of Brent crude to ultra-low sulfur diesel shows that strength as well. Converting the price basis to gallons, uh, that spread opened up December at just about 40 cents per gallon. As I am recording this, we are sitting on a spread that is closer to 63 cents per gallon. What that means is that if retail diesel prices moved higher just to capture that spread, they would have added about 23 cents per gallon to reflect the strength of diesel, not even counting the increase in the price of crude. Meanwhile, that crude increase during that time, since the beginning of December, has been about $20, and that translates to about 47 cents per gallon. So you can see why we're so much higher. Given that 47 cents increase, it's pretty notable that the average retail price in the DOE EIA number has only captured about a third of the hikes that I've, sp- that I've spelled out here. The strength of diesel relative to crude is not surprising. Diesel is a distillate like jet fuel or like heating oil. The EIA has a very easy to understand statistic called day's cover. It takes existing inventories, divides it by daily consumption, and the end result is the amount of days that days of demand that could be covered by existing inventories. The EIA does not produce a day's covered figure for diesel alone, but it does produce one for distillates excluding jet fuel, so most of that is diesel. And I can tell you that the most recent figure of 27.7 days is extremely low. There have only been 10 weekly reports since the all-time high price of July 2008 below that 27.7. So figure that 52 weeks times, you know, 13, 14 years, I guess 13, yeah, 13 years. No, wait. Um, Yeah, about 13 years, uh, 13, 14 years, 52 reports a year. Okay, you get the idea. Only 10 times since July of 2008, has that number come in, that day's cover number come in below 27.7. But what's kind of interesting is that I found a a series of about 15 weeks 
right before the all-time high price when the 27.7 days was lower. And then, you know, a few months later, you had that all-time high price. So that's kind of scary from the perspective of consumers. So it is going to become an important number to watch going forward. You know, we've talked before about the relationship between the current price of diesel and the price for months further out. When the current price is higher than the out months, it is referred to as backwardation. And when inventories are really tight, that backwardation gets very steep. I don't want to throw a lot of numbers at you because I've thrown probably too many already. But let's just say that the backwardation has, is at eye-popping levels right now, reflecting the tight inventories that you see in the 27.7 days of distillate cover. I don't have a lot of good news for you right now if you're a diesel buyer, but I will say just that when you think a market is never going to soften, sometimes it surprises people and does just that. But there really isn't a strong case to be made that that is about to happen right now. Our guest now here on Drilling Deep is, as we move on, is going to be Max Farrell. Max is the founder and CEO of Workhound. We had Max on this podcast about a year ago, almost exactly. And the reason then was the reason we have him on today uh, on what he heard throughout 2021 about the satisfaction level of drivers. Workhound, Workhound held a recent webinar on the findings of their feedback during the year. And he's here to talk about it once again with Drilling Deep. So, Max, welcome back. Hey, thank you so much for having me, John. I think the, uh, the listeners to Drilling Deep can count on Max Farrell joining us in late January, early February every year at Infinitum to tell you what, to tell us about uh, what he heard in his, and I, and I was almost used the S word, survey, but let's stress, it's not a survey. So why don't you talk a little bit about uh, the business model of WorkHound and what you do to gather that feedback? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. Uh, so WorkHound is a uh, real-time feedback loop for uh, for companies to catch and, and address the uh, the issues of their people. You know, our what we saw when we started the company is that turnover is really high in industries like trucking. A lot of people quit because they don't feel respected and they don't feel like they have a voice. And historically, the only option to, to get feedback were exit interviews or annual surveys. And so uh, we built WorkHound to help companies be proactive instead of reactive, where uh, workers in, in trucking, drivers share feedback anonymously without the fear of retaliation uh, via a text message with a mobile with a link in there. And then companies are getting real-time insights to see what are our uh, issues, what are our trends, what are our miscommunications. And then we have a, a several different tools that companies use to, to take action. And uh, what's been really rewarding for us is watching companies use that feedback to uh, have a culture of curiosity and, and improve their business. So several companies have seen uh, decreases in annualized turnover of 20, 30, 40, 50% by rolling up their sleeves making those critical changes in the business and uh, and ultimately retaining more people. Now, uh, I understand the incentive, obviously, the incentive for your customers to pay you for the feedback. Uh, but what is the incentive for the drivers to use your tool? Well, um, the, the incentive is intrinsic. It's that at, at the at the core of all of us as, as humans, we want to be heard and, and feel like we have a voice. And uh, and so we, we've created a really great avenue to, to make that happen. Now, the key thing in, in order for somebody to want to share and also to share regularly is to know that that feedback is being listened to and acted on. And, and again, that's why we stress the importance of creating a feedback loop, because getting feedback is good. Telling people what you did is uh, is better. Um, and But uh, um, you know, making sure you take action, you know, all those things are really essential in, uh, in, in making sure people feel heard and a company is committed to, to becoming a better version of itself. 
So uh, I listened to the whole webinar, not live, but I listened to the recording of it and and wrote an article for Freight Waves, uh, as uh, many of you may have seen about it. And uh, I guess part of the, the hardest part was figuring what to put in the article without it going on and on and on. Uh, so uh, I think I selected out, um, I know what I selected out, but I'd like to look to you and I mean, if you if you were given 30 seconds to sum up the findings of 2021, especially in comparison to 2022, uh, 2020, excuse me, what would you say? Was it a good year for driver satisfaction? Uh, as far as a good year for driver satisfaction, um, in, in short, yeah, it was a good year because people are sharing feedback and, and more companies are embracing this uh, this culture of curiosity. You know, we, we have more companies participating than we did a year ago. That's a really great sign for us as a company, but I think it's also a good sign for the, the commitment to the industry to figure out how do we get better in this really challenging time. Um, so that commitment in itself, I think, is an indicator of, uh, of positivity for, for the industry. Uh, as far as the the, the top uh, themes that we saw, they, they continue to remain uh, pretty consistent where equipment, people, logistics, uh, pay and communication uh, were, were some of the most frequent ones. But I think one of the things that really was interesting in the past year was the increase in the mentions of praise or, or positive feedback that, uh, that we saw um, from, from drivers in the industry. Uh, and, and in this, in trucking, we have this really bad habit of trying to fix what's broken instead of celebrating what's working well. And, uh, this data showing that, Hey, there's, there's a lot going well in, inside companies, you know, uh, roughly a third of the data is positive. Uh, so this tells us, Hey, we, uh, we're doing some things. Well, let's, let's really dig into that information. The same that we dig into the stuff where there's negative or, or more critical comments. Yeah. Inevitably, I think people are going to think that some, a tool like this is just going to be used for uh, for the users of it to moan. But that was, I think, one of the more interesting findings. As you said, uh, well, the, the category of praise rose every single quarter, and it was higher in the fourth quarter than it was in the first. I guess this doesn't strike me as being all that unusual. In terms of pay, it was a great year. Uh, in terms of attempts to retain drivers, I would think it has to be a great year because you know the companies knew if they didn't if they didn't work to keep their people happy, they were going to be really scrambling uh, to fill seats when the demand for capacity was so high. I mean, I do think it's interesting. You said equipment was number one, and, and that's kind of traditional. Um, I guess I just I don't know. I hadn't really why I felt that. I didn't know that that would be number one. What are some of the both positive and negative feedback you get about equipment? Well, the the thing we have to think about when it comes to equipment is that this is not only a, a tool for for a professional driver to do their job. It's it's often someone's home. You know, they're they're living in this place, and so making sure that uh, you know you can make money with this thing as well as be comfortable throughout the the entire time that you're on the road for days, weeks at a time, it, it's really important. Um, the other dynamic that, that we have to consider in in 2021 is the uh, the challenges of procuring new trailers and, uh, and new trucks. And uh, there, there was a scramble the entire year. And so uh, if, if a driver was um, um, stuck because a, a truck was broken, there, there wasn't necessarily the backup that maybe there was, was in years past. Uh, and, uh, and so really that's, that's a big reason why equipment's going to be number one. It's their tool to do their job and then also the, their home often. All right. So the, the, the comments were that were they getting better over the course of the year? I, I mean, I think a lot of companies had trouble securing new equipment. A lot of companies, a lot of drivers like to have a nice shiny new rig every couple of years. That might have been a bit challenged 
uh, last year because of OEM inability to deliver those products. Uh, did you see any of that? Um, so I don't know if I noticed a, a significant shift through throughout the year uh, on it. It's um, you know, it stays pretty consistent. It's it's a really important theme because uh, uh, at the end of the day, that's the thing that that makes the money. All right. Let's talk about pay. Pay was obviously a very high uh, a high subject, as you can imagine, as anything everybody can imagine. I guess what it sounded to me is like you you don't hear a lot about my pay is too low, uh, you <laughs> or, or my pay is my pay is too high or my pay is just great. I'm sure you probably hear some of that. With, with, let, let, let's. Actually, let's let's interrupt for a second. How many responses did you get over the course of last year? We didn't discuss that yet. Uh, the so last year we received over uh, um, sixty thousand comments. Right. Okay. So pretty much every subject gets covered to one degree or another. But what yes. you said on your web, what you said on your webinar was that you do get paid. What you do get a lot of comments, not about the level of pay, but the uh, process for getting paid. Uh, can you discuss that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Pay more often than not is a communication issue. It's people saying, I don't understand my pay or I feel like my pay is incorrect. Uh, so naturally, I would argue pay is more so a, a communication issue more often than an amount issue. Uh, and, and we have to keep in mind that pay is the most pay in trucking is the most complex pay structure in all of North America. Like for, for most of us that are probably listening, you're probably on salary and you probably know what you're going to make on a week over week basis. But there's so much variability for so many drivers out there that it, it's maddening. And um, anytime somebody feels like they have to fight for their pay, that immediately creates a, uh, a sense of, of distrust. And, uh, and so, yeah, pay is um, you know, a, a really important one. And now it may not have been the most mentioned theme, but it was the, most, uh, it was the theme with the most critical comments. So pay made up 17% of all, all of the critical comments we received, meaning um, if we don't do something about these particular comments were at a high risk that this person could walk out the door. Uh, and often, again, the, the pay comments were around um, communication frictions or, or trust being broken because they felt like something was wrong with their pay that, that led to those comments being out, the, out there. So what would a positive pay comment look like? Um, positive comment is, is just, hey, I, uh, you all took care of me. Um, in, in, in short, the, uh, you know, the interesting thing is that the positive comments that we receive are usually much shorter. Um, they're to the point. They don't have a lot of great detail. Usually the, uh, there, there's a correlation between a longer comment and the, the higher likelihood that it's going to be negative. So people are more likely to share um, frustrations in greater detail than, than positive things. Now, you stressed early that these are anonymous comments, but that doesn't mean that the company can't do anything about it. There are times, from what I gather, that you can unmask anonymity at the, uh, at the uh, uh, approval of the, the person who makes the comment, if, you think that, if the company thinks it can get something fixed, uh, or the company can fix something and then send a note to the person who wrote the comment without necessarily unmasking them. Why don't you talk about that, that, you know, you open loop. So let's talk about the, yeah. the ability of the, your, your clients, the truck, the carriers to get back to the people with the issues. Yeah. One of the, the most important things that, that we think through when, when it comes to creating a feedback loop is making sure that there's multiple ways to take action and, and respond to the feedback. Um, now, anonymity is really important because we know that there's a fear of retaliation um, in this industry. And it, it may be nothing that your company did. It could have been that uh, somebody else burned a bridge and that ruined things. Um, but that, that anonymity is valuable because we'd rather have the honest feedback than, than not have it at all. 
Uh, and so one of the ways that we, uh, we are able to get an interaction going while maintaining anonymity is using a, a feature we call one-time messages, where a company can send a message to a, a driver that shared feedback while still protecting the driver's anonymity so that the driver is able to see, okay, the company's committed to addressing my issue. Um, you know, let's say it's a pay issue. Uh, a company may say, hey, realize you, you found an issue with your pay. Susan from our uh, payroll team standing by, here's her direct line. This is her most important issue. And that way, a, a driver can have a dialogue that they may have never, ever had with, with the company to address an issue that could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, but we also have a process where uh, drivers can agree to reveal their identity to directly address an issue. So let's say a, a guy said, hey, you put my wife, you said you put my wife on my insurance. You didn't. I'm tired of the runaround. I'm going to quit. Well, that's fixable. And so uh, a company can request to connect to that that person to directly address the issue. And uh, what's really exciting is that in the past year, uh, we helped companies retain um, over 8,000 drivers that uh, had these sorts of issues that um, wound up staying with the company at least 30 days after, simply by being proactive instead of reactive. And so we're really proud of that. Yeah, that is a big number. I, I don't know that I would have guessed that that number. Uh, you should be proud of that number. So... Another thing you talked about a lot on the webinar is training. In fact, in the article I wrote, I kind of led with training mm -hmm. uh, because I felt that those are some of the more interesting comments. And you do get a lot of negative feedback about training. Maybe you get some positive feedback too. But you, I, I really almost got the sense that this was that you felt this was a, a really, I'd say, easy way of making drivers happier, but uh, one of the more the core issues of making them happy. Yeah. So when, when we're doing our analysis, we're always looking for unique insights to, to understand from one year to the next, what are some of those aha moments that um, uh, stood out? And one of the trends we looked at was looking at out of the people that shared feedback, how, which ones are still at the company based on what, what type of comment they shared. Uh, and so when we looked at the, uh, the, the feedback for training um, over uh uh, around 50% of the people that uh, that shared their feedback were no longer with the company um, after they, they shared that comment, which meant that if somebody's sharing about training and, and the data saying that uh, you know that many people are leaving, that that is really a, an indicator that that's a theme to pay attention to. So in the in the training side, um, the uh, uh, the specific amount was that uh, near, nearly half the comments uh, about training made in 2021 were from uh, workers that have since left their company. Um, and, and so when it comes to training, um, you, uh, I mean, it's, it's, if you look at the data, most of the time, that's where the highest turnover happens in, in that first 90 days for, uh, for companies. Um, and so it is really important to make sure to take time to, to get people ramped up, make sure there's aligned expectations and that they, they are um, integrated as best as possible into the, uh, the company. Um, the, the, the challenge there is that often we, we don't think about all the elements of training. So you think, for example, a companies are trying to actively build a, a training program um, and they, uh, they bring on a trainer that may have been a great professional driver, but maybe isn't a great coach. You know, maybe they're just a really good uh, operator, but maybe not necessarily a great uh, teacher. Um, and, we, and we don't think about how do we go train the trainer. And so there's all these little nuances in this theme that we haven't spent too much time thinking about that. Uh, as we go into 2022 and are trying to figure out what percentage edges we can gain, this is definitely an area where, where companies, uh, there is an opportunity. Is 
fixing training, I think, would be complex. And I was going to ask a question about what's the low-hanging fruit. It seems to me that fixing training uh, would have a lot of yield in terms of driver satisfaction, but it's not necessarily easy to do it quickly, whereas you know, you're talking about 8,000 jobs you felt you retained as a result of your activity. I mean, that's low-hanging fruit because in many cases, the company got back to the driver and said, hey, you got a problem? We fixed it. Or we, right. you know, we only need to take one or two steps to fix it. That constitutes low-hanging fruit. Um, is fixing training one that is complex? It's going to take some time. It's yes. going to take some effort, but it does have a, ter- a terrific yield. Um, I mean, training is going to be a, a reality in this industry for this year and, and several years to come because you know, the, the industry is, is actively looking to, to bring on new people to join. Um, and and what, what's fascinating about the, the training um, theme, it's that if you, uh, if you look at most comments, smaller companies usually get uh, way more positive feedback than a, than a larger company. But when it comes to feedback specifically about training, um, large companies receive twice as much um, positive comments compared to small and medium companies. Now, given that's still 32% positive versus you know, 68% negative, so still the feedback is mostly negative, but it is worth paying attention to that uh, large companies are having more positive feedback about training. And so if, if, if we dig into why that's happening, some of that is that uh, large companies have had to be um, – be good at training because that's been their business model for several years, whereas small and medium-sized companies are uh, really starting to, to get a grip on what does it look like to become a, a training organization because historically that, that just hasn't been their zone of genius. Uh, so there is a, a shift happening in, in the industry that um, you know, hopefully will stabilize this year, but we shall see. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about the small, medium, large companies because I did feature that in my article is that Drivers at small companies overall are happier than driver at medium companies. Drivers at medium companies and drivers at medium companies overall are happier than those at large companies. Is that a correct summation of what you found? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's that's the uh, correct correlation there. Right. But training being the exception. <laughs> yeah. As far as all the themes aggregated together, you're spot on that uh, the smaller the company, the, the higher average positive feedback. Let's talk about USA Truck for a minute. I know that uh, I guess I did an interview with them. Uh, maybe you were on the on the call as well sometime mm-hmm. in the past year. I know that you've had multiple webinars uh, with them, and you know you've really highlighted the work that where they've used the uh, they've used the, the the feedback from Workhound to to mm-hmm. improve their business operations. They seem to be your kind of your star pupil or star client. Uh, so maybe you can talk about how USA Truck has has put these things into practice. Um, yeah, so, so first and foremost, uh, USA Truck uh, approached our partnership with a culture of curiosity, really wanting to understand what are drivers wishing, wanting, thinking, and feeling, uh, and, and using that to then guide, okay, where, where do we find opportunities to, to improve? And uh, what, what's fascinating is that over time, they've said, hey, this works well for drivers. Let's also get feedback from our staff as well. So we actually... USA Truck uses WorkHound not just for their professional drivers, but they use it for their staff. They use it for their mechanics. Um, and it, so that shows that they have a commitment company-wide to um, have that culture of curiosity, but a, a commitment to active listening. And uh, from the, the top down, they're actively reviewing feedback and, and identifying trends and figuring out where can we gain an edge as a company uh, and, uh, and make the business decisions based on the data of our people. 
Um, so I'm really impressed with how they've evolved as, as a company. I think their, uh, you know, their, their results in, um, on, on wall street have certainly showed as well. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm really proud of them and proud to work with them. Well, circle your calendar for the first week of February for next year, Max, and you can come back and talk about what the 2020, 2022 findings are going to be. Let me just ask, uh, are you encouraged by that that rise in praise over the course of the year that maybe a lot of companies are, that it's more than just that they that the drivers made a lot of money, that they that there are other things that are making them happy and, and the, 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 the companies themselves are really working at it? Yeah, if if you look at studies of of what drives us as as humans, it's it's not pay. It's like whether you're a professional driver or whether you're you work in an office, the three big things that a uh, any any of us needs to to feel successful inside a a role is one, make enough money where money's off the table. Two, um, enjoy the people that you work with, and and if you have a boss, that you get along with your boss, and then three that you're learning and growing and, and feel like you're being challenged in your role. And uh, if companies are regularly thinking about how they accomplish that with their people, then um, you have a, a much higher opportunity to, re- to retain those folks. If you're missing one or two of those things, it gets rockier. If you're, uh, if you're missing three, then all of a sudden you start to have poison in the water. Um, so it's really important for companies to always keep an eye on for each person. Do we check the box on all those three things? And if not, what do we need to do to get back to that? All right. Well, let's hope that 2022 is a good year in that sense. So, uh, Max, we want to thank you for joining us today here on Drilling Deep. Yeah, thank you for having me, John. Always a good time. I'm Max Farrell, the CEO and founder of WorkHound. He's been our guest today on Drilling Deep. Drilling Deep is part of the Freight Cash family of podcasts. You can find us on all the leading podcast platforms. I've been your host for today, John Kingston, and please join us again.